We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, so don't, don't make it. Charlotte, we're back. All right, welcome in to another BuzzBeat episode. I am Spencer Percy, joined by Brian Geisinger today. We're going to be recapping the Clippers game. From last night, disappointing loss in L.A. in the Staples Center. Probably talking about a little bit. Uh, you'll be listening to this podcast after you know the results of the Lakers game. We are recording this on a Monday evening. So we might get into what the Hornets face tonight as well. And talk about some recent trends for Charlotte. Most of them uh, that are not very good. Really on on either end of the floor. Offensively, they are off to a great start. That has started to decline. And defensively, the Hornets are one of the worst teams in the league. So it seems like some regression to the expected mean for Charlotte on that end after the first two se- uh, past two seasons, kind of outkicking their coverage there. Before we get into that, BG, how is life for you, my friend? Yeah, the last two weeks, or pardon me, the last two months or six to eight weeks, I don't know quite what it is. It's been like kind of crazy, but um, I'm doing pretty well. Um, happy to be here. Got uh, a move behind me and live currently set up in my new place here in Raleigh and um, have got some other sort of like assorted work projects uh, finished up. So um i'm excited glad to be back we'll start being on these pods a little bit more regularly after the last couple of months and uh what is also exciting is it, you know in the middle of this uh you know this this up and down hornet season so far is by the time people are listening to this it will be the official start of the college basketball season so a bunch of games uh get going tomorrow including a you know or today i guess i should say when people are listening to this including a you know kentucky Duke up in New York City and plenty of other games, you know, this week going into the weekend. So should be a lot of fun having that back. It's usually a busy time of the year for me, but um, a really, really fun time. The next couple of months are going to go by, uh, you know, rather quickly. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped to have college hoops back. I, you know, I, ACC will be interesting this year, I think. You know, I, I don't know there's a national contending, uh, a, a real contender in the conference, but you got some Maybe teams. Maybe Duke. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. It sort, yeah, of, it sort of depends, but, but Duke Duke is clearly like a cut above everyone else in, in the league, in, in my opinion. Um, yeah, in talent, for sure. Um, yeah. Carolina will be interesting. Return some good players. Can Caleb Love take a take a jump? Virginia, I'm, I'm, I'm just not really sure. Return some good guys. I mean, probably you, you and I's favorite, maybe one of our favorites in the conference, Reese Beekman. I'm really excited to watch him this year. So yes. it's going to be a yeah. fun year in the ACC. It's, it's always yeah. nice when there's not like a clear front runner. I don't think yeah. Yeah, I think there are like there really I really think there are like five or six teams that could win the league this year. I mean, Duke is Duke is favored and, and again they should be, but I think Virginia Tech is gonna be really, really mm-hmm. good. They bring back a lot of talent. They add Storm Murphy, who's a good transfer. Mike Young's a great coach. Uh UNC bringing back Baycott, Caleb Love, and Kerwin Walton, who's like, you know, arguably mm-hmm. the best shooter in the country. Then you go out and add Dawson Garcia who I think comes into the ACC as one of the top, you know, 10, 12 players in the league, like a legit NBA prospect that they just added in early July after he tested the draft waters. Um, Notre Dame's going to be awesome on offense. That really could be like a top five, top 10 offense in the country. And so we'll just like see where the defense lands. I think they were like outside the top 200 last season in adjusted uh, efficiency. So they've got a ways to go on that side. FSU lost a lot, but like they should still be, um, rather good too and in louisville they've got just almost like too many guys i mean but like i like their talent i'm just not sure they're going to be able to like figure out the rotation at some point but if they do you know if louisville can really narrow things down i i think louisville has the chance to have kind of like a bounce back season um uh, this year i think any of those teams could win the league but um i was on hand for duke the duke was with some state exhibition game the other week and um yeah, Paolo Bencaro was a uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty impressive man. Um, you know, he I certainly some, comes. Yeah, in, you know, he comes I into the league. As, it looks, yeah, it looks good. I mean, that, that guy it, can do a lot. He's long. He's athletic. He's got some maybe more can, ball handling skills, more of a skill he, set than I thought. He can really handle it, um, and he can guard. It looks like he can guard in space. Some. I'm still curious. Like, I, I'll still be fascinated to see like how Duke shakes out defensively this year. Like, they've obviously got great size on the wing and great size at the basket. And, you know, Mark Williams is a NBA prospect and a legit rim protector, but you know, they're, they've got him basically playing to the level of the screen right now. And, and then with their backup center, Theo John, they're switching a lot. And so I don't know. I just Duke when they have not been able to like real, like when they've not been able to freely switch in recent years, their pick and roll defense has just been sliced and diced. And so I'll be curious to see if they're trying to play a lot of Mark Williams, which they certainly are. Like, how does the pick and roll defense look this season? What happened? Williams guard ball screens that far out on on the court. Maybe they'll try to drop them deeper into the paint at some point. But then you know it's going to be on their point of attack defenders to really you know do 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 a good job getting over the top of screens and shit. And then UVA actually like I think they'll be better defensively this year. I think the offense is going to be. Um, a bit of a Probably. struggle, uh, yeah. I mean, like, it, like Beekman. Even if Beekman makes a huge jump, and and like you and I really like him, and he's already an excellent defensive player, and he gained some weight this off season, which is huge. You know, even if he makes a huge jump, it's like where are they getting? You know, where's all? Where's the shooting coming from? Outside of a yeah. couple possibilities, and um, you know, the centers, you know, with Kafaro and Shedrick are like unproven in terms of scoring. Um, Jaden Gardner should give him a lot of points and rebounds. And, um, you know, Franklin, Armand Franklin is a great ad from on the wing two way player from Indiana. But I just think, 
I just, but like this is this could look a lot like the this could look somewhat like the Virginia team from two years ago, that after the year after the national title team, where they were they were very bad offensively, but they were still elite defensively. So, yeah. you know, we'll see because that that team also had Braxton Key and Jay Huff and Mamadi Diakite. These are like you know fringe NBA players and G League mm-hmm. players. So, you know, can can they can they build can they build a, like a top ten defense around this team? Because if they can, it's like you know, which I think is possible. Virginia's floor is just high every year because of that. You know, like they have a great defense. They don't turn it over on offense. They make their free throws. They went on the margins. And like, that's enough. That's enough to win like a lot of regular season games. It's just stuff to lose Sam Hauser, Trey Murphy, the third and Jay Huff to the, to the NBA, you know, like these tall yeah, guys that can really shoot. So we'll see. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, that you know, the offense was better, obviously, but I mean, that was the worst Tony Bennett defense in in, in quite some time in Charlottesville, and it's just you know he he's going to struggle as a coach when he doesn't have a good defense because every everything starts there and, and trickles from there. So yeah, but we'll see with the transfers that you mentioned. I mean, Reese Beekman's the the one guy on that roster who has a chance to become an NBA prospect. You know, I yeah. think so. I, I, he's I, the yeah, game look, breaker for the yeah. I mean, he's, he's with, got with he's speed. got. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 a flash. He's got defensive chops in a lot of ways, especially on the ball. Um, he can get in passing lanes, but you know, can he develop a jump shot? If he can, I mean, that, that it, UVA's floor or really ceiling is is much much higher than than yeah. most would expect this season. So, all right, let's talk about some yeah. Hornets. Uh, we'll have plenty <laughs> of ACC to talk about, I know, throughout the year, but it is nice to have to have hoops back. All right, so let's start with this game last night um, in L.A., you know, the first of two for the Hornets in the Staples Center. Great first quarter. Offense looked much better. Seemed to get everybody involved. LaMelo got off to a great start uh, back at home in L.A. Miles Bridges was hot. Uh, Kelly Oubre, you know, getting involved early off the bench. It just it looked like a good bounce-back win to, to snap a losing streak for Charlotte. And then they led by seven midway through the fourth quarter, and – the rug pulled out completely from under Charlotte. Could not get any stops late. Could not score on the other end. The Clippers going on a 22 to nothing run. And Charlotte ends up losing the game by 14. Really a gut punch loss, I think, BG. Like one of those losses that just really mess with your psyche, I think, as a locker room, as a team. We've seen some frustration come out in, in kind of spots from this team. We saw the Miles Bridges thing in Golden State when Lamelo kind of looks him off. We we now Lamelo making comments last night, you know, to the media about you know, you know, I should come back into the fourth quarter earlier. You know, we're starting to see some cracks in in, in a locker room in a young team that's not unexpected. But after the five and two start, I think it's really come back crashing to earth quicker than than maybe we thought. So let's start with this I and mean, the defense, I think, and kind of pick any anywhere you want to go with this BG, but. Charlotte's got some serious, serious, serious defensive issues right now that I think can be fixed to an extent, but this seems like a leak that can't be completely patched up. I mean, where do you start with that? Yeah, it's just, I mean, none of it's a surprise, right? And I think you're seeing uh, a defense that's just, in these first couple of games, is just like a, a slightly worse version of, of what it was uh, a season ago. And um, granted, it's coming at a time where like there's this league-wide downward, you know, shooting trend, and the Hornets are giving up uh, a few more points per 100 possessions than they did uh, a season ago. But like, really, where it starts for me is the pick and roll defense, which is 
Charlotte, we've talked about this just for years. Like this, this like predates the current front office and the current coaching staff. Just like, where are the point of attack defenders on the roster? Like, where are they? Um, there certainly aren't any in the starting lineup. And like, it's great that Miles Bridges can go out there and try to guard Damian Lillard, and that can open up cross matches for you. And you know, he he put he, he did some nice things to Dame in that game too. But it's like. If your answer is having your, you know, your 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 power forward be your, you know, at times your top point of attack defender or trying to bring Kelly Oubre in to do it. And I think Kelly's had flashes this season, but is ultimately really not been that good defensively. You try Cody Martin. I think you could try more Jalen McDaniels. We haven't really seen all that much of him this season. When he has played, I think he's been pretty good. I'd like to see a little bit more of Jalen. I, I kind of think they have to have it, especially with PJ out, to be totally honest with you. Cause there's just like a hole in the front court and there's holes uh, at the guard spots or on the, or on the perimeter defensively, but they can't contain the initial advantage creation, right? Like a ball screen happens and whether it's because the, the point of attack defense is sloppy or the screen navigation is poor or the positioning is bad, or they haven't quite figured out like what they want to do with Plumley, like play to the level of the screen drop, blitz they, you know, they mix it up they do change it up but none of it works because no matter what they do there is advantage created instantly right and even though charlotte has good length and has good athleticism on the wing and that you think like oh they've got these guys that can fly around and make plays and they certainly can and that's why they're still also forcing turnovers at a very high clip too it, despite that the defense has been terrible despite the fact that they're forcing a, a lot of turnovers this year I believe they're top eight in the league in in turnover rate uh, defensively. But um, teams are just being able to create that initial spark, that initial advantage, and then instantly get into second and third side actions, right? Like slash and kick, and if that first pass out isn't open for three, then pass it one more time, right? Because even if that first rotation's there, the second one's probably not going to be there, or it's not going to be on time. And just like their, I just don't think their defensive scrambles have largely been like that good once teams get them into rotation this year. Um, I looked this up earlier in terms in terms of just spot up possessions this season. Uh, Charlotte's defense is allowing, uh, yeah, one point zero five points per possession um, with a over fifty five percent effective shooting. That's twenty seventh in the NBA. Um, so, you know, they're just getting hammered right now on like these juicy yeah. sort of like catch and shoot looks. And then the last thing I'll say, and I really probably would like to talk more about the pick and roll defense in general, because I think there's some interesting stuff to maybe dive into, but I think Charlotte last season, the defense, which was not good, you know, bottom third of the league, but, you know, finished 20th, certainly like better than where they are right now, you know, last season, they didn't really foul that much, which is something that historically had been a trend really like under James Borrego, right? Like they finished, yeah, I'm looking at this, in 2018-2019, third in opponent free throw attempt rate. Uh, 19-20, they finished first in opponent free throw attempt rate. And then last season, they finished, again, third in, third defensively in the NBA in opponent free throw attempt rate, 16.4%. Well, that's up to 19.3% this season. Yeah. Um, so teams are getting to the line more frequently and I do think Charlotte got like a little bit lucky last season where opponents shot under 75% against them at the line last season, right? 74.5%. That was the worst in the NBA, you know? Mm-hmm. 
And now that's up to almost 83%. So it's jumped, you know, nine percentage points just from last season to the first, you know, nine games this year or whatever. But just like that's, you know, Charlotte's already losing on the margins because they're going to get, you know, if you're looking at the four, the four factors, they're going to get crushed in terms of, you know, offensive rebound rate. They're now fouling way, way more. So like that's up a lot. And teams are just, you know, in a small sample right now making a, a lot of those free throws. And so for a team that's really like really just like fighting just to get by defensively, I think that stuff is hurting them um, on the margins. But I, I do think to your point, and I'd be curious to know what, what your thoughts of this are. I think so much of it starts with just like they can't contain the ball at a pick out of spread pick and roll action against any team. And then that just that's just where all of the rest of their problems cascade down from. Yeah, no, I mean I, I totally agree with you. You know, and on any level, that's going to be a huge issue. Uh, you know, I think that they would like to drop Plumley. You know, most of the time, vast majority of the time. But mm-hmm. as you've said, um, you, you get a matchup against Damian Lillard or whoever. I mean, last night you probably should have been at a level of screen on Reggie Jackson after he hit a, a three right before that. He he, you know, mm-hmm. moonwalks yep. uh, over a yep. ball screen. Um, I, can't, I think Rosier gets hung on it, of course, and Plumlee's yep. sitting down at the free throw line. He walked into a three. You know, it's, so it's, it's, it's inconsistent scheme, too, which is frustrating. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I've been processing watching and, and one of the things I was really trying to think about and keep in mind last night as I was watching this Clippers game is, you know, they want to play more man-to-man, true man-to-man this year. Yes, they are switching a lot, um, not as much, but, yes, they, the Hornets are still switching you see almost none of the junk matchup zone defense that I think really helped Charlotte, specifically in those Devontae, Rozier backcourt minutes last year. You don't see much of that now, which means whether it be in pick and roll or just in ISO off the dribble, just getting beat off the dribble, the overhelping is just killing Charlotte. I looked this up today because I just thought, man, it really feels like Charlotte's getting – giving up more like wide, wide, wide open threes than any other team in the league. And they are, they're, they're bottom five in the league, 23.3% of opponent three-point uh, field goals are coming from, there's no defender within six feet, basically. So defined as wide open by NBA.com. Um, so, th- so those numbers are bearing out the eye test. But again, it's just, it's point of the attack. I mean, like you said, if you, whether it be pick and roll or ISO, if you can't keep the ball in front, uh, or at least make the offensive player like feel your presence. You know that's where I really thought Ubre, even getting beat off the dribble as a trail defender with his length, he's still gonna he's still gonna keep the help defense, the wings in in somewhat of a acceptable stationary position so they can recover to shooters. But that's just not happening. I mean, Ubre has been awful yeah. trying to stay in front of the ball. I mean, he really has. I mean, I, yeah, I, I'll be the first bad. to say if I was watching film with him, like, dude if you're not willing to get your hands dirty, then we're going to take your minutes away. Cause he just looks like a guy that doesn't want to get into a stance. He wants to just, he wants to run instead of moving his feet. This isn't rocket. I mean, like this is just, do you want to play hard or do you not want to play hard? I mean, with a guy like that specifically with Rosier and LaMelo and Mason Plumlee, uh, you know, th- there's some holes you can't plug defensively. I mean, I mean, at least not yet. I think LaMelo has the capability to be a good defender, but he's nowhere close right now. And, but with guy, you know, you know, you're not going to fill those holes with a guy like Ubre, who you brought in to really be your point of attack defender, whether it be late in games or just off the bench. You know, play the high hand. We'll see what happens night to night. But for him to be one of the worst on ball defenders, it's just it's 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 
it's like catastrophic for Charlotte because they, I really think they brought him in and thought, okay, now we can play more traditional schemes, make defense less chaotic, make it a little bit easier to process through. And the result we see is they're 29th in the league in defensive efficiency. So I, I think Borrego at least has to, with his staff, sit down and discuss some junk defenses again because yeah. it's not working right now. Completely agree and was about to basically say the same thing. And to your point about Ubre, it's like, again, McDaniels is just sitting right there. And right. it's like, you know, maybe he has a little less sort of like off the dribble juice in the half court of Kelly Ubre, but like, man, anytime that guy shoots after taking more than like one dribble, it's like, oh, here we go. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's just it's balls, you know, stop the possession. It grinds to a halt, whatever advantage they had drummed up. You know, you know, slows down, and, and you know, then Kelly can take it. You know, what is probably like not that great of a shot, but yeah, and you know, a guy like again, you know, Jalen's not going to do that. He has a little less creation, although he can kind of you know attack a closeout or whatever. But you know, it's going to give you do the do essentially do what Cody Martin is doing. Cody's Cody's had a nice season so far this year. We've talked about that some. Yeah, I'd kind of like to see McDaniel's get more playing time and at the sacrifice of Kelly Oubre. McDaniel's is just a better defender than him. Period. And I think yeah. some of the stuff that Jalen does offensively, we've talked about it. He's just the ideal fourth or fifth guy out there because cuts on the baseline, shoot corner threes, cut from the weak side slot, et cetera. Like, I think you got to find more playing time for him. And I, I think, like, Ubre has to be the, the sacrifice of where those minutes are, are, are coming from. But, I, you know, I don't think we're there quite yet, but it, they should be, like, you know, let's, let's see how things look like a week from now. And I completely agree – they're, they, you know, they led the zone. They led the league last season, right, in percentage of defensive possessions in the half court that were that came in zone, right? It was mm-hmm. like I think, I mean, at points of the season, it was above twenty percent, which is nuts. I think ultimately it settled like in the mid teens, like you know, it was like fourteen, fifteen percent. Right now, that's two and a half percent. Right now, uh, of their possessions, they so they've been according to Synergy. of their half-court defensive possessions have been in man-to-man. They're giving up 1.02 points per possession with 56% effective shooting on those looks. That is dead last in the NBA in terms of half-court man-to-man defense. Um, And again, the sample is too small with zone to read too much into it. But Charlotte's zone defense, again, really just like 25, 30 possessions so far this season. Uh, 0.65 points per possession with a sub 45% effective shooting clip. Again, the sample is so small. Those numbers are not that good, but even if they jumped up a little bit, it would still obviously be a, a vast you know improvement over where the man-to-man defense has been so far this year. And they're also forcing turnovers at, a, at a, a, a bigger clip in those zone possessions as well. Uh, according to Synergy, 27% of their zone defensive possessions they force the turnover on, which is a ton, and that's 13.5% opponent turnover rate in their man-to-man defensive possessions. So, yeah, I think they've got to play more zone. I think they've got to junk it up more. And then the other thing, too, and, and this is something that's that's not in their control, is like, you know, they got to get P.J. Washington back, man. Like, they, yeah. they just they need this guy. He's so important to them as a two-way player. And he's basically played all of his minutes at center so far this season. He's played only 10 minutes with Plumlee, right? So, like, he's played a ton of five this year. According to basketball reference, over 90% of his minutes this season have been at – positional estimate has been at center. 
and um, he's the he's the key piece to them switching. Like they when they try to switch with Nick Richards, it's a joke, right? It's like yeah. you know whatever NBA guard is going to burn this guy to a crisp. Like as soon as they decide they want to drive the basketball, then again put Charlotte into rotation and create open threes. And you can try some of that with Plumlee, but like it's really like not a great idea. And so you you know obviously they've tried playing Miles at five, and like I think that's had varying degrees of success, including some last night against the Clippers. But that can be tough when they've got Zubac in there. And um, and yeah, like PJ is super important to them for how they, when they want to play five out on offense. And I think you saw some issues with the last two games. Really, Sacramento and in, in L the Clippers game was like teams really willing to play off Mason Plumley when 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 Charlotte has the ball on offense. That's something maybe we can we can divide get into a little bit. And obviously with PJ you've guard you've got to guard every inch of the half court with his ability to 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 shoot it out above the break. Um but but back to the defense like PJ I thought the Miami game uh I guess that was last Friday um, or two Fridays ago, pardon me, I, I thought PJ's defense in the Heat game was just phenomenal. Like, I, I just, I, I didn't watch that game live, so maybe people were talking about that on the timeline during the game. I, I watched it the Saturday morning after, and, like, I, I thought PJ's defense was just phenomenal um, in that game. Maybe he's been a little up and down at times this season, but, like, ultimately, I think PJ has turned himself into, you know, a guy that can really help out your defense as a, as a switch five and give you some backline rim protection and all that sort of jazz. And, you know, without that, it's just a big missing piece for them for what they're, what they're trying to do. And um, yeah. And, and so that's, that's sort of like where I guess, I guess I would settle up is like, you need, you need PJ back, you need him healthy. And like, I would just like to see in general, just like see more PJ. I know part of it is the injuries, but he's playing only 21 minutes a game. He's down to sub 19% usage rate. Like, you know, you got to get this guy back and you got to get him, like, better incorporated into, like, what you're actually trying to do because he's one of your better players and he's very important. But, yeah, until then, like, I just don't know quite what they're doing defensively with, yeah. with Plumlee guarding the pick and roll. They're trying different stuff. They, they're trying to drop. They're trying to bring him to the level. They've tried switch. They've tried trapping. And just, I mean, all of it's just getting fried right now. PJ getting back will will definitely give them more of an identity in terms of what they want to do, which is switch, try to keep the ball in front that way across five positions. But yeah, and the other thing that I would mention defensively that the Hornets do zero of is is talk, communicate. Um, you know, I know that's you know it's the NBA. Athletes are going to make athletic plays, um, but. I mean, I heard on numerous. If you were listening last night closely, I, I don't know if it was Dutch Gailey, but it did sound like him. Um, screaming, uh, you know, whether it be a defensive rebound um, for the Clippers going the other way, talk, talk, communicate one time specifically, miles, yeah. talk. Yeah. Uh, so you, you know this is a point of emphasis. They're trying to get these guys to communicate a little bit. And it's it's simple stuff. I mean, it's off-ball screens um, that they don't know if they're switching. They don't know if they're chasing over the top and recovering. You know, it's defensive transition where nobody's got their arms out, nobody's pointing to locate shooters and who's got who. It's it's just basketball one-on-one stuff that really I think Charlotte is killing themselves with. Again, they're not going to be a above-average above defense in this league, but I do think that they can be around 20th, uh, if not a little better than they were last year with the personnel they have. But they got to just start caring on that end yeah. a little bit more than they do right now. So, Yeah, um, I, I'd like to see more. I'd like to see more, you know, the more lineups that have – 
some combination of Cody Martin, Jalen McDaniels, and Miles Bridges. I think those have been the guys that have been, and then PJ once he gets back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, let's jump in uh, and talk about the offensive trends. Really, really good at the beginning of the season for Charlotte. I mean, they were leading the league in offensive efficiency, I want to say, through four or five games um, back when times looked a little differently. Charlotte now down to, I believe, seventh or eighth in offensive efficiency in the league, so still top ten easily uh, in the NBA. Still shooting the three ball well. Taking shots from the right area, BG, in terms of location, effective field goal percentage. So basically, if you took, uh, if you shot league average, right, from the hot spots of the floor, which basically means you shoot league average from the rim and from behind the arc, which is where Charlotte's taking most of their shots, uh, their location, effective field goal percentage would be eighth in the NBA. So they're taking shots from the right areas, fourth most attempts at the rim at about 37% this season. Uh, and then. Not, not taking a, a ton of threes, 19th in the league, uh, or excuse me, 21st in the league, almost 35% of their attempts from behind the arc, but shooting the three ball really, really well, a top five click, clip in the NBA. You know, the problem remains at the rim without a real presence in terms of the five position there. Charlotte's just not efficient enough at the rim, so it's nice they're attempting shots from there. Let's see. Right now, Charlotte is a bottom five team, 58.7% shooting at the rim. And that really showed up last night 
I think against the Clippers. I mean, how many layups, bunnies, missed putbacks. I mean, it re- and really from behind the arc too. A lot of balls in and out for Charlotte last night. I will give them credit there. A little unlucky, but they got to find a way to put the ball in the basket from close uh, more often than they are right now. BG. Yeah, and we've we've talked about this some. It's like. You know, with Plumlee, they have some bit of a lob element, you know, like you, you've seen LaMelo put, or Ish put it up to Mason a couple times this season and get some finishes there. But, you know, they really have to use miles when they when they really want to get like a downhill, you know, lob presence that has some that has some genuine rim gravity. Um, PJ can give them some of that, but you know, he's almost a little bit better in the short roll or some of those empty side corner screens that you, that he, I think he and Ish have done really well together in some of those second unit offensive sets. You know, I also think they're really missing like, and I know he's, he's been hurt, so he's missed games and he's played probably not healthy in some other games, but they get, they need to get Terry, like Terry Rozier's got to start making some shots for this team. He's taken almost eight, three pointers per game. And he's shooting, I think, like 24%. He's 31% overall from the field. Um, his numbers coming off screens are way, way down. The catch-and-shoot threes are way, way, way down. Um, of course, he's only played in like you know seven games or whatever so far this season. But um, this is not the start you wanted to see with Terry like coming into the season after you know a pretty, a pretty serious contract extension that he got this offseason. Um, but they need him – for what he can do, loosening up the defense, playing without the basketball, they've got to have it because yeah, hundred percent. As much as real much quick, as- real, real quick, BG, just, just I, I just pulled it up here and then jump back in. Terry Rozier from the rim this year, fifty percent. Terry Rozier from the mid range this year, mid range this year, twenty six percent. Terry Rozier from three, twenty five percent. Yeah, those are all. 20th or percentile worse among his position in the NBA. So, I mean, it couldn't be colder right now. Yeah, it's just, it's just not going to get it done. And, yeah, a 38% effective shooting on spot-up attempts this season. Um, it, the numbers coming off screens, uh, yeah, 35% effective shooting coming off screens this year. We've talked I, – I, I, we've talked that we've written about this stuff plenty, but just like since Terry got to Charlotte, his movement shooting is like a big deal for them. And even though LaMelo has – had you know a lot of growth and is is a great young player and can do so much good stuff in the pick and roll you know he's not like Luka Doncic right where it's just like yeah run pick and roll and every time down the court he's going to engineer a good look and like he can get to the rim every time he wants to or he can finish in, in the paint like LaMelo is great he's an awesome player and he's a, a star and like he's just going to get better but right now he's just not there and it's awesome that Bridges has come online, right? And like, you know, I think Miles has had some a, a little bit of some tough shooting a little bit recently and like some bad luck, but obviously had an off night, you know, against Sacramento. Um, but you know, they can go to him for some creation and some one-on-one creation. They're giving him more of that. And obviously Hayward is like, you know, the the break glass in case of emergency offensive guy. And, and there's just you can kind of do a little bit of everything with Gordon, but like he doesn't really pressure the rim either. And so, like, when you're thinking about the ways that Charlotte can bend an opposing defense, right, and get the opponent into rotations, it can't always just be the spread pick and roll because we just talked about they don't have, you know, an Evan Mobley or Jared Allen lob bot in the middle. Like, Plumlee isn't that. And teams, as I said earlier in this recording, teams are, like, kind of just ignoring him right now, too. 
and which is like a, that's a problem. It's 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 it can be tough to play efficient half court offense if you got if it's four and a half four and a half against five, you know. But so the other ways that Charlotte can bend defenses when you know if it's not Lamelo pick and roll or it's not you know a Bridges post up or it's not a Hayward post up or a Hayward isolation, um, you know, is they need Rozier running around screens and bending defenses and forcing these off ball guys to move and to cover into spaces and that. That frees up these other little pockets for all the other guys to then play into those gaps, and um, and right now it's just like it's just not there. And um, you know we'll see. Terry's been hurt. It's early in the season. Small samples with shooting can be really, really, really misleading. And um, and that's something to probably remember right now. But this is this is tough. And, and Terry, like as he's been a big time offensive player for Charlotte the last couple of years. When he's not hitting his jumper, that's really where, like, because the, like, then it's like, well, what else does he do? Because he doesn't pressure the rim. He's not a great playmaker for others. Yes, you can use him as a, you know, you can still use him as a decoy running around screens and stuff. But ultimately, like, what is what all does that really, you know, what, what does that do for you if he's not actually making shots? So Terry's got to get his shot-making game back up and really, like, the, the off movement and, and the catch-and-shoot threes with Rozier. Like, that's just got to come online. Um, Charlotte's counting on it. And, uh, you know, there is some version of this offense that if they can get all these things running together at the same time this year, you know, you get a healthy PJ Washington and all of a sudden you can play five out and you can use miles as the small ball as if you're as the four with PJ at center miles can be diving to the rim or PJ can dive to the rim. Terry's running off pin downs and flares. You know, you you're doing, you're running pick and roll with both Hayward and LaMelo and like that, that's the dream. Like that's what they were like banking on having this year. And um, and it just, they just have we have not seen that lineup optimized. That's I don't I'm, I'll look, I'm gonna look it up in a second, but I'd love to know how much that five man group has played together this season because I bet it's really ultimately not that much because of injuries and some of those guys have also just been struggling when they're out on the court. Terry specifically. Yeah, I can't even really recall like a memory. I mean, I'm sure they have played together, but yeah, I I can't really uh, remember a specific example right now. The other issue for the Hornets this year, and they've been – this is where they've outperformed. Um, I think their estimated value is, is just a basketball team is in clutch situations, and they shot the ball so well in the past two seasons, mostly thanks thanks to Rozier and Devontae Graham. So far in 11 games this year, 89.5 offensive rating. That's 22nd in the NBA. 123.1 defensive rating. That's 27th and negative 33. 0.7. 0.6 net that's also 27 so they've done a 180 um in clutch situations too we, we knew that was probably going to be the case i mean look lamello ball is defenses still don't respect him um shooting the basketball specifically off the dribble um and and i think defenders are still leaking far away from him when he's off the ball and standing around so it, it's just it's a it's a clogged toilet right now yeah. in the half court for charlotte and you know when you have kelly Oubre out there as well um, you know, even though you're going small, it really is not helping matters. So, yeah, I'm not really sure what the answer is for Charlotte right now. Um, in the half court, in general, not just in clutch situations, but you know, that's when you need to perform. We haven't seen much Miles Bridges as the screener, roller, ball handler in the middle of the floor. Um, you know, catching it off some kind of pick and roll action this year yet, and, and mostly is because of his offensive jump. I mean, he's been great. You know, we've seen him getting the ball. Um, you know, at the top of the floor in ISO situations, 
you know, they've used him as, as kind of that slap, what I would call a slap screen BG. You saw that a lot from Devontae and, and Rozier last year. Um, opens him up for a three. We've seen that. Or Miles will get the, the big onto a switch. He'll pull it out and then go one-on-one. It's fine. That's a good matchup. But I, I just don't think Miles' game is it, – it's still got a yeah. little ways to go until I'm like, yeah, that's a really efficient play. It's just not yet. He's yeah. just shooting the ball unbelievable still. I mean, that's really the big contributor to, I think, his jump. But I, I, I've been a little surprised at the lack of creativity um, and the staleness in the Hornets' offense here recently. I understand they're still a top-10 offense, but it was just really hot shooting for LaMelo and really the whole team to start the season. It never quite passed the eye test to me. And I think now I'm starting to see, okay, this is not even really looking like a league average offense uh, in the past week or so. And they're not past, they're not sharing the ball. They're, they're the 29th. They rank 29th in passes made per game so far this year. Also been something that we haven't seen from this team in the Borrego era. The ball has been drive, kick, sprayed around everywhere. That's coming to a stop now this season too. So a few trends that concern me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and again, like some of that too is like the app, like, you know, Razier is sort of the guy that can make some of that stuff they do in the half court sing because what he does, moving without the ball, running around screens, and then, then himself working as an off ball screener and sort of like what that can do to, to bend opposing um, <clears throat> opponent defenses. And yeah, that lineup, the, the, the LaMelo ball, I just looked this up, the ball, Rozier, Bridges, Hayward, Washington lineup, which I think that is probably Charlotte's best five. Um, at least in terms, that's their best offensive lineup, at least. You know, certainly not an awesome defensive lineup, although um, you would think that that team could switch a lot, uh, which yeah. would, would, you could at least keep the ball in front to an extent. Um, you know, you're going to be vulnerable in other areas, but at least you could switch. But that lineup has played a grand total of one minute so far together this season. <laughs> Wow. Um, so We're like that's really yeah. that's just like not enough. Like you need you, we yeah. need to see more of that lineup. And again, obviously health has played a, a really big role in that. Like Rozier and PJ have both missed multiple games so far this season. So um, that is tough. Yeah, I do think. I mean, it's kind of funny. Like they got a lob finish to Bridges last night off that play. It's the like that I refer to it, or I've seen it referred to other places as two chase exit, which is like the it's the middle screen roll. It's the it's the lob play from Lamelo to to Bridges, right? Where oh, like yeah. you know, it's like the one the one. It's usually Rozier comes up, sets a little ghost screen. Miles is like right behind them. Miles comes up and actually sets an on ball screen. As that's happening, the three man is running the baseline and comes off like an exit screen on the baseline and into the strong side corner. So which should occupy the back line help defense. And you've seen it a million times. Like Miles or LaMelo drives right, Bridges rolls to the left, and he throws it up to him. LaMelo and, and, and Miles have not hooked up on that play yet this season. Every time Charlotte has scored on it so far, it's been with either Ish or I think Cody Martin passing the ball um, to uh, – or maybe – no, Rozier was actually the one who hit him on it last night. It was the one that got the very like exaggerated – Eric Collins call um, after Bridges caught it and threw it down. So like, yeah, I just think like even some of their sort of like their, their, that's their, that's their baby. That play yeah. is their number one play to get miles a lot. 
And they, 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 it's, you know, we're nine games in the season and LaMelo and Miles Bridges have, have yet to hook up on it. Like I've, I've tagged, I've, I've watched the film of every game so far and that play has not been successful. I've, I've tagged them all. So let's see, but I, I mean, look, I also think part of that is like, you know, you have PJ back. He helps open up the court on some of that stuff uh, as well. So yeah, I think there's stuff they can do better in the half court, but you know, again, some of this stuff is hard when Plumley. You know, Plumley can really – it's tough because, like, he can really do some stuff offensively. Like, he had a great pass last night to Rozier on the break, like a long bounce pass. He can catch a lob. But he's probably just, like, a little overtaxed as, like, a starting center offensively. Like, Plumley's yeah. probably better to come in and, like, be your backup and, you know, play 20 minutes a game. And, like, I think as we discussed before the season – I think, like, ultimately the math was, you know, Plumlee's a starter in name, but PJ's going to be the guy that, that really plays, like, a lot of those center minutes for you when you really need to, like, you know, grease the offense. Yeah, I mean, PJ's just been hurt, and he's only playing 21 minutes a game even when he is out there. So something, like, you just, they've got to, they've got to, like, kind of, like, rework the calculus of that center position because they're just not, right now, getting enough offense out of it, I think. Um, even though, again, the passing flashes and some of the finishing has been like okay by Plumlee, like I just don't think it's enough. And it's tough when they run these hand, like you know, these 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 pick and roll actions or whatever, and teams aren't even like tagging Plumlee as he rolls, right? Or like when he yeah. catches it twenty feet out, and you know, Zubox last night is just standing below the rim, which like, oh my god, call defensive three seconds on him, like the the play that I clipped and put on Twitter, like Zubac is in the lane for like 10 seconds during this entire play. And it's like, someone blow the whistle. Um, <laughs> like that is definitely defensive three seconds. But yeah, it's just like, it's tough. And like, I think on those situations, and like Zeller got so good at this of just like quick decision-making and Plumlee can totally do this too. But it's like, I think some of this will like come as he gets more comfortable with these guys. But like, let's snap immediately into a DHO then, right? Like Terry Rozier, where are you right now? Go, go run to him. You know what I mean? And yeah. you're gonna, you're gonna come off that, and you're gonna have a great look. And like you, you're good at DHO stuff. Like you come off that look and score. You're gonna have a pocket of space unless you've got like a great defender trailing you. Or and this is the thing that Zeller was so good at was just driving diagonal away and then using that to like kick out to the opposite side. You got to find right. some way if they're gonna play that much off of you. You have to find some way to attack that space whether it be a dribble handoff, a floater, or you just driving the rim and just hoping you can get one guy to come off and help you, and then that way you can open up you know, a kick-out pass and maybe get a wide-open three. But like the catch and then like hold at the elbow and like see if someone's going to like you know, sprint open, like, you know, like that's just right, right now I just, I'm not seeing like quite enough of that. Although like I, I do think the Cody, Cody Martin as a cutter has been good for this team, but just – I don't know. There's just like less like freelance good action coming out of those like plumly at the elbow looks, whether it's like a scripted elbow action play or it's like a, you know, a pick and short pick and, you know, pick and roll short roll situation. And just like those possessions are just like dying on the vine a little bit. Um, and I think there's easy, I think there's obvious ways to squeeze more out of those looks. Yeah. I mean, you, you make a good point too. I mean, this could be, you know, Plumlee needs more reps with these guys because he is a capable passer. 
you know, I think he's he's a high risk <laughs> passer at times. We've For gotten sure. way too much of him catching it <laughs> in the elbow area, middle of the floor, and then yeah. you know, four guys kind of orbiting him around him, and him trying to squeeze in a, a baseline cut passer. Yeah. Way too much of that stuff, and, yeah. and maybe that is because. You know, Brago's just – they're not getting anything out of the DHO. They're not getting anything off pick and roll and short roll. Man, it's Plumlee. Um, he doesn't threaten enough as a scorer, I think, to like yeah. to like really like – it's just it's just easy to look to play the passing lane. It's easier to play the passing lanes on those looks because it's like what, what's this guy going to do with the basketball? He can't shoot, you yeah. know? And and so I, I, think that, I think that gums stuff up a little bit. I, I definitely agree. The other thing I, I want to watch more of because – you know, Zeller was he was heavy footed. It's not like he was this light on his on his feet athlete, but he would screen and flip his hips and get into his role. He was so good at it. He was so, he was good, so at good at it. His footwork was good. It was wasn't his athleticism. What is it really his yeah. agility? I mean, he just had great footwork. You know, Plumley is he's not he's a good athlete. He's a, a, a very good vertical athlete, always has been, but he's really heavy footed and, and I would just say poor footwork in those kind of situations. So when he does screen, it feels like it takes forever for him to get going in the direction that you could deliver him a pass into the middle of the floor where he could actually use his strength, which is to find guys, whether it be a cuts, switching the ball at the opposite corner to an open shooter. So that part is just, which has surprised me a little bit. I, I, forgive me, I didn't watch a lot of Mason Plumley in, in Detroit. So <laughs> maybe, maybe I didn't expect him to be so like – so heavy footed in those situations, and Charlotte just can't attack the middle of the floor when he's when he's out there via pick and yeah. roll. But um, yeah. you know, you think to your point, PJ Washington getting back, and hopefully this MRI he's going to get comes back um, and, and gives us an optimistic return date. Um, but until he gets back, it, it's Charlotte's going to have to win some ugly games. They're going to have to find ways to win ugly games, and that might start tonight <laughs> against the the very old Los Angeles Lakers that. We'll turn it over a hundred million times, thanks to Russell Westbrook, and um, <laughs> not play at a very high pace. And Carmelo Anthony would take a lot of shots. So I do like Charlotte's chances tonight because I, it, well, again, you already know the result, but they're going to be able to if they put their minds to it and really are serious and come out to play. Um, they should be able to get a lot of easy buckets tonight against the Lakers, who are not going to be able to run with them if Charlotte can grab defensive rebounds and get out in transition. So this feels like a good bounce back game. Wouldn't say it's a must win, but it's a damn important game earlier in the, early in the season, I think, BG. Yeah, yes. I mean, they've lost Charlotte heading into the Lakers game. Losers of four straight. The road trip has not gone well. And the last three have been by wide margins where the defense at varying points has just been like, you know, lit on fire. And uh, yeah, to give up a 22-0 run and, and cough up a lead in the fourth quarter of the Clippers last night or, you know, two nights ago, whenever people are listening to this, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, I think this is this is an important game for Charlotte early in the season to get the Lakers, uh, you know, without LeBron. That's sort of important, and they have not played great so far this season. So you got to make the best of it. We'll see. Maybe there's a Malik Monk revenge performance here, and uh, although I guess you know his spot in the rotation has been a little inconsistent uh, with the with the Lakers, but um, yeah, again, not a must win necessarily, but. Certainly a, a, a big game. And um, I think if they can come out and really – like if they play well against the Lakers, it, it maybe speaks a little bit more to sort of like the, the character of this team, which we've seen them have some nice comeback wins that, you know, earlier in the season as well, like the Indiana game obviously. So it's like they have it in them to be resilient um, and to just keep, you know, plugging along. But, 
you know, it's, it's just been a long week. So we'll see how they, uh, how they sort of come back from that. Let's get to um, two listener questions before we get out of here. We got a few minutes uh, to jump into these. The first one's from <clears throat> at Andy Neal 19 on Twitter. How can Mitch in the front office hit on so many picks and nice savvy moves, but <laughs> shit the bed, start quote, end quote, <laughs> with the five position, the center position, which is uh, what Andy has is referencing here. So, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in quickly. I won't spend too much time. Yeah, I mean, the Hornets just, you know, they couldn't they couldn't plug that hole. They couldn't address that through the draft. Um, well, they could have. There's a guy, Alperin Al- Al- Sangoon, uh, yeah. maybe could have drafted. He wouldn't hurt your – he wouldn't help your defensive issues, but I think he would have <laughs> added a little zest to this uh, to this offensive problem that Charlotte has at the five. But, yeah, I mean, so the, the real answer wasn't there in, in the draft. I remain a little bit intrigued. Confused, maybe is the better word. Uh, I thought they would make a, sh- a you know a run at Rashawn Holmes. I thought there was a chance Miles Turner trade might happen in the offseason. You know, I think Mitch is practicing patience here. Uh, I think he wants to keep his cap clean. I, I don't think the Miles the, the Miles Bridges extension decision was made this you know yet this summer. I, I think there was probably still some debate there of whether they needed the, the extra cap space for that. You know, you're paying Gordon Hayward a lot of money. You got a PJ Washington extension that, you know, is about a year away. So there's some things coming down the pike financially for Charlotte that they really couldn't afford to go take on uh, another big contract. You know, Turner's isn't terrible. I think it's 18.5 this season, maybe 18.5 next year, if I'm not mistaken. You know, Rashawn Holmes, as we know, is going to cost you about 20 million. So it wasn't going to come free to them, right? <laughs> Via trade. Yeah or in free agency, and Mitch has done a great job with the cap, but the time for the Hornets to, to start paying the Piper is coming quickly, quicker than I think people realize. Like I said, Bridges got it where well, you're going to have to bid for him. Somebody's going to give him an offer sheet this summer, and the Hornets are going to have to match that. And then P.J. Washington's extension eligible next year. And then the year after, here comes LaMelo Ball. So, like, it, Charlotte can't afford to take on a lot of extra money. So I think that's most of why they haven't been able to plug that center position. But yeah, a little bit more creative. At the same time, a little bit more creativity uh, in in adding depth to that that position, not being drafting two second round centers the year before last that are yeah. that you're now kind of sort of leaning on. I I think there's been a lot of missed opportunities there. I will end with this before I throw it to UBG. I think what we've seen so far this season, what we've lived through the past two seasons, some of James Brango's comments about the five position. You can sense the frustration in his voice since he's been in Charlotte. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Miles Turner is a Hornet this year. I really would not. Yeah, I mean, this seems like you were sort of saying this is a deal that maybe could have happened last season or you know in the off season or whatever. And yeah, it's one of those deals that like it, you know, it it, it kind of makes it would kind of make sense for both sides, you know, if like you know PJ Washington. I, look, I don't want. <laughs> I don't really want them to do this because I don't want them to trade PJ because I, I very much like him as a player and just like think he could really be an excellent piece for them going forward. But the like, you know, the some trade with Turner and PJ, you know, and, and that way Sabonis then becomes, you know, he's the center and PJ can give them a little bit of rim protection at the from the four spot, right? And and can space the floor around. Uh, around Sabonis like that would make some sense for Indiana then you bring Turner into Charlotte and yeah you then all of a sudden you can try to play more like drop pick and roll and 
Um, again, I don't think you really have the point of attack defenders on the roster to really like get the most out of that, but certainly Turner an accomplished rim protector. So there's that it would not surprise me. Um, yeah, look like them swinging in, you know, pop, look, looks like they're going to, we'll see with Vernon Carey Jr. We've just seen so little of him. And, you know, I think Nick Richards can like be in the NBA for a while as like a deep rotation guy, you know what I mean? But I'm not really seeing him be like a, a rotation player on a winning team at this point. Although like he's had some he's he's had some nice moments so far this season. I don't I don't want to bang on, on Nick Richards. Like he is what he is. And I think at times he's looked like kind of okay. But like, you know, they they took two centers in the second round in 2020 and like neither of them was Xavier Tillman, right? And like he was sitting right there at 32. They opted not to take him. That probably wouldn't have like so, you know solved everything with the center position for them, but it definitely would have shorted up a little bit. And, uh, and look, part of the issues at center this year, again, go back to the, the injuries with PJ, like we've been talking about, like they've, he's basically a full-time five for them right now. And so he's been hurt, hampered, he's missed time. And so, you know, they really do, they need more out of him. And I don't, I don't even like hate the play they made on Plumlee ultimately, like, you know, you got, you got like a short-term plug at the center position and it allowed you to get. Uh, you know, a pick into get JT Thor, who like, by the way, looked awesome during his debut with the Swarm in Greensboro. So mm-hmm. that's exciting. And like, maybe you've got another, you know, one of these sort of like hybrid front court guys down the pipeline uh, with Thor. You know, if one of he or Kai Jones can develop, that would be obviously huge for them going forward. Yeah. I mean, like as far as like the first round they've gone this year, it's like, yeah, they could have gone Sangoon, you know, Isaiah Jackson, uh, I guess is another guy they could have, you know, I don't think he would have, done it you know help them this season that much necessarily like same with garuba who's not really like a you know a full-time five and maybe jackson isn't either so um the draft was like a, a tough place for them to to really like solve that issue this year unless they had like tanked last year and they drafted evan mobley in which case then like all of your problems are solved <laughs> you know like like that's like that that was like the that was the one you know the, the lifeline to like solve this position long-term with like a, a, a future star. Um, but they were never really ever in those sweepstakes. Cause they were just like a little too good last season. Um, yeah. And so they, they missed out on it. And that's, you know, to, you know, Cleveland gets to be the beneficiary of that. And man, Mobley has been just as good as advertised, if not better. Um, I loved him as a prospect, but holy bleep, he's been, he's been incredible to start his career the first 10 games here. So um, look, yeah, I, I do the, the Holmes free agency is a whole other story. What, did he just like not want to leave Sacramento ultimately? Like, was that what it was? I just don't know how a team couldn't have pried him out of there for more money than he got from the Kings. And look like maybe he was yeah. happy to go back there and like good for him for knowing what he wants. But like Charlotte could have absolutely gotten more, gotten carved out, you know, after the Devonte Graham deal, could they not have like gotten more money, right? Like they had the ability to go out and I mean, give like Holmes a relatively competitive offer. They still could have outbid Sacramento. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, all the tea leaves are you know they're they're pointing in that direction that he didn't want to you know move yeah. across the country. We don't know who else maybe entered that negotiation. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, he's he, he remains a king. I, that's the one that that surprised me. So yeah, yeah, he, he's the one. He's the one. Like the lever they could have pulled this off season if they could, if you could have like it really just it really just does not seem like you were going to get him out of Sacramento. But that is the one. And we we talked about this heading into free agency plenty. Like all you know, 
you, me, Richie Lee, we all loved Holmes. We all thought he would be a perfect fit on the roster. And obviously he would have been. And, uh, you know, just like it didn't, it didn't happen for whatever reason. But like, that was the one like instant fix to the center position that was at least theoretically available to them. They had cap space. They had a needed center. He was the best center available. And for whatever reason, like it didn't get done or didn't have, didn't happen. You know, to think of it, it in terms of like, okay, we think that the Hornets vastly overpaid a Gordon Hayward basically to really make sure there was a buoy attached to LaMelo Ball in his rookie year, and that really paid dividends, right? Like to pay, you know, a little more than 50% on the dollar uh, of what you pay Gordon Hayward to a center that would have done, in theory, the exact same thing, like brought LaMelo Ball along in his development, you know, with a rim-running set. You know, I just – the cost-benefit analysis there, if it truly was, ah, uh, you know, we're just we're not willing to go past here. It was just it was just a miscalculation on Charlotte's part again. We're yeah. maybe like you said, he didn't want to leave Sacramento, but like this, like I, one of the things that really makes me nervous about this center position moving forward with Lamelo on the roster is him developing bad habits uh, as an offensive player. I mean, the bad habits are already there. To to be honest, from what I see. But, you know, if he doesn't have any help in terms of, and, and you can't exercise out, you know, the his his greatest assets as a player, which are a passer, you know, with a guy that can threaten the rim, like you're, you're really you're really shooting yourself in the foot from one of the greatest assets the, the franchise has had since returning to Charlotte. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, so that that's like the part I don't really quite understand is like you got to get this guy rim running. So like you can't play dumpster diving any long any longer with this position because you got five seasons with Lamelo, and after that all bets are off you don't know what comes next so like things change quickly in this league like they can't they don't have a whole lot of more time to waste at the center position so i i I would definitely and this is the next question so we're kind of answering it now i'll read the question in a second but we're answering it now like i definitely think that uh, the panic meter in terms of will a trade happen, will it not this year? I think it's seven and a half, seven, seven and a half out of ten yeah. right now. I, I could see a trade happening. Yeah, I think it's like uh, I mean, just given how the defense has looked, um, you know, the, the limitations they have with their spread pick and roll without having like a you know a, a real vertical you know guy to threaten um, at the five position. And we've talked about this plenty. Like you can't. You'll never be able to fully optimize Lamelo until you have a guy at the center position that can can catch a lob. And like you know, as we as you look around the league, it's almost like you know, it's obviously it's great to have one of those guys, but those guys kind of need to be able to do more now too. It's like you almost can't just have like Nerlens Noel. You know, you need like and that's like Rashawn Holmes like can catch and shoot floaters. It's like the way the Clippers and the, you know Holmes and the Kings were guarding Plumlee the other night of just like backing off. It's like you do that against Rashawn Holmes, he'll just flip in three floaters on you and just keep it humming, you know, and he can catch a lob. I mean, it just, it, look, it is, it is what it is. It, it, it didn't happen, but yeah, like again, you at some point that's going to be the thing that they really need to get the, the four round, you know, the four round one spread pick and roll going is and, and like, I mean, I think Turner has made strides as an offensive player, but like, I don't, you know, miles Turner isn't even that now he would help them as like a, as a five that can step out and hit a three. And obviously he would help them defensively, but like, you know, he's not the, like the lob threat either, you know? So it's like, you'd still be, if that, if ultimately you feel like you have to get that, 
then then you've, you're gonna have to think a little more creative, like with a little more creativity than just all right. Let's like build a package for you know Miles Turner. Which even though like I agree with you, I think there's there's a possible, very real possibility that could be in the cards because it makes sense for Charlotte and it would make some sense for Indiana too. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm I, I've been lukewarm on the Miles Turner fit for for since the yeah. rumors have, have been hot since last season. So you and I, you you and I have been, I think, like on the same page with that. I, I, yeah. I feel yeah. It, it is nice to see. It's nice to see Turner shooting the ball well this year. But like you said, I mean, he's he's gives you nothing as a run, as a rim runner he, in the yeah. middle of the floor at the rim. He does, but he's not the guy's not making any plays in the middle of the floor. The last question, then we'll get out of here. Um, because somehow BG, you and I couldn't keep it to the time frame that we said we would. Yeah, but yeah <laughs> I can't no, believe it. No surprise. I like yeah. Richie at multiple times with this like pod is going to laugh at us. Like yeah. the the monologue about college basketball, uh, the technical <laughs> issues we had in the middle of it, which hopefully will get edited out, and then yeah, the fact that we like went this long. Um, yeah, again, it, it'll, he'll be frustrated probably, but also hopefully laugh at it too. Par for the course. Yeah. Um, all right. The second question uh, at Rich Kingston seventy three. I believe Rich has been a long time listener. We appreciate you, my friend. We clearly need center help. Looking at the current rotation, are we now in a position to trade some pieces for somebody? Again, I think we kind of answered this. I, look, here are the pieces. BJ said PJ Washington. You know that that's an obvious one. You know you have the Ubre contract. It's non guaranteed yeah. next year. It's twelve and a half million. That's a good chunk of change. You have Plumley, who's right at $8 million and non-guaranteed yeah. for next year. So they can get – the Hornets can get to a big number relatively easily. They yeah. wouldn't need to – they'd only need two of those three in a, in a theoretical Miles Turner trade. That, that that would be the pieces I'd start with. Yeah, the uh, yeah agreed. And, like, the uh, just a couple couple quick thoughts on this. You know, at some point, most likely the pick that they traded to New York to get back into the first round of the draft, Kai Jones at 19 this year – you know, I would be careful with with using another first round pick as a as a trade ship. That while they did a nice job protecting that pick, it, it could very easily be several years before it conveys. It, you never know. You know, you, you don't know, and so you're already out one first round pick likely at some point in the next four drafts. So like, you got to be careful. You know about about because how good is this team? You know, you're you're going to need to be able to add more players in the draft as we we we've discussed. So many times that is the that's the lifeblood of, of how you build a small market. Even if you do strike gold on Lamelo Ball, and if Miles Bridges comes online as like a you know a, a very good you know number three or number two, like whatever his ceiling is, you know at, at some point you gotta you gotta use that first round to continue to mine talent out of. This is also too where like the you know. The, the Rozier extension makes him, you know, like if you don't extend Terry this summer, then like all of a sudden he can be one of these trade ships you're referring to, right? Like he, he'd be on an expiring contract um, at a good salary, um, you know, could have been just a, a, another piece. Now, as we discussed earlier in the pod, Terry does some important stuff for Charlotte on the offensive side of the court. So, you know, maybe you'd be kind of missing that, especially now without Devontae Graham and Malik Monk also to give you some of those offensive, you know, backcourt sparks. But yeah, so like he's sort of like off the table now, um, I would imagine, just given how much money he's owed over the next, you know, four and a half years. And, um, but yeah, the Ubre contract, the Plumlee contract, these are great numbers. You could build a package around you know, again, I don't want them to trade PJ because I really do. I I, I believe in him. I, I buy the talent. I think it's 
I think he could be a, a very good player for a long, long time. Um, but like he'd be the guy to build this around, I think, because like obviously you're not moving Lamelo, you're not moving Miles, and it's like who else is going to move the needle? Like Kai Jones and James Booknight are huge question marks. And look, at some point this year, man, we're not there yet, but like if we don't see something out of James Booknight, we got to start having we got to be a little concerned, right? Because like this guy was not drafted as an 18 year old project to come in and play exclusively mop up duty. And I, I know they're chasing wins and they're, they're relying on vets right now, but you know, having him play one minute, every other game at, you know, fourth string point guard is just like, not like, what's the plan? Like what, like tell me what the plan with James book night is right now. I don't know. That's a whole other conversation that maybe we can get to at some point in the future. But yeah, so they, again, they have the pieces to do it. They still have a lot of their picks. I would be very careful, as I said a second ago, and how I would move that. But I think PJ is the kind of like good young player that you could, you could construct a, a trade around to go get you a, some sort of upgrade at the center position. And they have the salaries needed if they were going to go get a, you know, an expensive veteran player like Turner. Um, you know, again, those Plumlee and Uber deals are like perfect for trades, you know, as, as salary numbers. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll see. They've got, they definitely have leverage to pull. It just sort of come like, it's like, well, if you, if you trade Miles Turner and it costs you PJ Washington, well, then how good are you still? Like, you still got to, like, right. you know, how many, how many more wins does it actually net you out over the course of a full season? Like, right. I don't know. Might not be that many, honestly. So, it's something to think about. Great thoughts. RBG, good stuff. Had a good time. Uh, Until next time, go Hornets. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.